0: Hello and welcome to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast, where today we will be interviewing most worshipful brother, Russ Charvonia, past Grand Master of California, and founder of the Masonic Family Civility Project.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our opinions and thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions either here on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We'd also appreciate a thumbs up and especially any comments on our videos.
0: the Working Tools Podcast. We'll be interviewing Most Worshipful Brother Russ Charbonia, who was the Grand Master of California and was one of the founders of the Masonic Family Civility Project. I'm Matt Apple, a mason up here in Washington, along with Very Worshipful Brother David Colbeth, who is also in Washington, and Worshipful Brother Stephen Chung, who is a Ma- mason up in the Grand Lodge of British Columbia in the Yukon. Most Worshipful Brother Russ, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you.
2: Glad to be here, brother.
0: So, uh, Just to introduce folks to it, what is the Masonic Family Civility Project, and and what are its goals? What's it doing out there in the world?
2: Well, we formed the Masonic Family Civility Project back in 2014, when we recognized that the world about us was becoming increasingly uncivil, and we were afraid at that time that if left unchecked, this may well turn into a world that we're not comfortable leaving to our children and our grandchildren. And so a bunch of us formed a task force, if you will, that ultimately became the Masonic Family Civility Project. And what we're doing, in effect, is taking the teachings and the tenets, the language and the symbols of Freemasonry, and applying them to help to restore civility in our greater communities. So is it mostly an effort at focusing Masons then? It started that way, and we do concentrate on... um, working with masons and the masonic family such as the youth orders and concordant bodies and so on but uh, we are now expanding into our greater communities and we're doing that through an army of what we're calling community civility ambassadors interesting so uh
0: so we've said civility several times already and uh uh, how how are you defining it is it is it just avoiding disagreeable subjects and 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 climbing up when someone disagrees with you or, or What is civility?
2: I'm going to answer that in a little longer way, if I may, Matt. Uh, The first four months that we met as a task force, we tried to define the word civility. We thought that was a natural place to start. And it just felt like we were trying to grab sand in our hands. It just, nothing was quite the right definition. And then I did what I should have done at the outset, which is Googled it. So I went to the font of all knowledge, Wikipedia, typed in the word civility, and it said C- incivility as of the middle part of 2014 the word civility was not defined in wikipedia i suggest to your guests that they grab their cell phones now and look it up and they will find a definition that is there and it's a definition that we submitted to wikipedia that's that's cool. the long answer short answer is in my opinion what, what civility is is treating people with enough respect and dignity that we can engage in difficult conversations, those conversations that we need to have, even if we disagree. It's a whole lot more than just being polite or abiding by etiquette or avoiding those difficult conversations as you had suggested, Matt. But I also think you can have a civil relationship with somebody that doesn't treat you with at least a basic level of dignity and respect.
3: You mentioned uh, uh, civility ambassadors. Uh, How does that work? What does that look like?
2: We started this, we kind of beta tested it, if you will, within the family of Freemasonry, where we train people on how to train other people on being more civil, giving them the tools and techniques and so on to engage in these difficult conversations. And we have Masonic civility ambassadors across the globe. They're in Mexico and Canada and Serbia and Israel and just all over the place. And we've learned a lot from it. It hasn't been as quite as successful as I would have hoped, but we have learned a lot, and we do have some successes with it. So now we're to the point where we want to engage just our general community members who want to improve the, their world. And so we'll again using the Masonic values and in in tools and language and so on, but not in the name of masonry. While we as masons are heading this effort up, we're not doing this in the name of masonry. We're doing it because we are masons and because it's the right thing to do. In short, if we don't start to turn the tide, I don't know any other group that's going to pick up the mantle and run with it.
1: I was looking at the website, Russ, uh, with the, the implements that you've used for the Logo for civility. Are they in any particular order or they just happen to be those the ones
2: that kind of matched the letters? That's pretty cool. Well, since Worshipful Steve is from British Columbia, I'll give him some credit here. This was actually designed by a Canadian brother, uh, brother Wilson Beckett out of British Columbia. And uh, I was up there speaking several years ago and he presented that to me and my mouth just dropped. I mean, it is to me such a phenomenal symbol. Uh, no, it's the symbol, it's the tools that worked. But if you dissect every tool that's in that logo, you will see how it talks about treating people with dignity and respect. In
1: 2014, was, was that the year that Conference Grandmasters was in Vancouver?
2: Actually, no, it was in Baltimore that year. It okay. Was in Vancouver later, uh, okay. two years later, as I recall. Okay, okay.
1: I think that's where I first heard about the civility project. I, I was happened to be deputy at the time and it was so close to Vancouver. I was able to go up and visit and that's where I met you the first time I believe. And, uh, and then we got to, I met you as well again uh, when you came to our annual communication in uh, Pasco, I think it was, that was exactly. a good time. But uh, that's a, it's, it's such a, an amazing project and an amazing idea. Uh, and the idea that it's crazy that the word incivility was the only one that was defined. And not actual civility and in these times too incivility is a problem or can be a problem there's a lot of unrest and things happening. I would imagine that some of the exercises I've gone through with the civility project where you are sitting like one-on one or in a small group how would you how, I think you could apply it to a bigger audience a bigger group potentially uh, Is it something that you need to have a, a plant or a seed so to speak or the ambassador like you're talking about or how could it apply?
2: Well, what you experienced, Dave, is uh, this civil dialogue exercise where we have five people sitting in a horseshoe and we have people that strongly agree and others that strongly disagree with this statement, the divisive statement. And this was actually developed by the folks out of the Arizona State University Hugh Downs School of Human Communication. And I've been trained on it, I've done training on it, and it's just a really neat way to get a community talking about things that are important that otherwise it's just ripping them apart. Um, I'll I'll give you a quick example. I live in Southern California, a community of 110,000 in Ventura, California. And the most divisive issue we've had over the last 30 years, it's not traffic or growth or smog or anything, water, none of that. It's should we build a Walmart on Victoria Avenue. (laughs) I kid you not, and family members and p- people who used to be best of friends are no longer talking to each other yet today, three decades later, wow. because of that. It was either going to destroy all our small businesses, and they used Chinese slave labor to build the products, and, and it was going to create traffic jams, or it's going to give us many more shopping opportunities, create more jobs, and so on. And I often look back in that, at that and say, you know, could we as Masons have brought the community together to talk about that using that civil dialogue exercise. Now, between you and me, whether to build a Walmart should not be life or death, but think about all the instances that are. Think about the pandemic situation. You know, Should we be opening things up or keeping things locked down? You're seeing r- riots practically develop because of that. Can we as masons, Bring the community into our, our lodges or into our public libraries, again, not in the name of masonry, but because we're masons, and help them to have a productive, difficult conversation. I think we can and we should be. Are you doing training for
1: masons around that to be able to have those? I call them arrows in your quiver. To be able to, if, if you're in a situation where you need that, uh, those tools, working tools or arrows, uh, that you can draw from them and utilize them?
2: We absolutely do. So people that want to become a civility ambassador, be it inside masonry or in the community, we have periodic training for them. Anybody can reach me at info at And I know we'll report, repeat that email address later. Um, but yes, we do training like that. Um, and then there's ways to get more concentrated training. The other thing that's available to everybody, if you go to civilitycenter.org, under resources, there's a civility toolkit that we help to develop. And the civil dialogue exercise I described is one of those tools in that toolkit. And there are tools for if you're encountering incivility in your family life, in your workplace, in your community, dare I say, in your lodge, um, all kinds of neat tools that you can open the drawer and pick out the specific tools that will help you to get through the problem. So So, tell me, go
1: ahead, Matt. Sorry. I I saw you unmuted yourself and I thought I'd go
0: ahead. uh, I I was just thinking of, so in lodges, we say, we don't discuss, you know, politics and religion in, in lodges and in the name of keeping harmony within the lodge is that Obviously, that's not the route you're going down. Just the sheer avoidance of a topic is not the route you're going down with this. I guess I'm not quite sure what my question is in this statement, but, <laughs> but it's. Uh, it... I'll
2: tell you the the route we're going down is personal responsibility, which is what Freemasonry is all about, in my opinion. Freemasonry teaches us to be more self aware of who we are and who we want to become. Instead of letting the world just shape us and and dictate what what kind of person we end up becoming, it forces us to really contemplate who we want to become and then gives us the tool to develop into that kind of man. It's no different with being a more civil person. It starts with recognizing your foibles, your faults. When you get into a, a disagreement with somebody, sit back and reflect on what caused it, what part you played in it, And if you had the opportunity to do it over again, how you might change it. Otherwise, it's expensive tuition if we lose a relationship and didn't learn anything from it. And so there are an awful lot of things that help us to have those difficult conversations. When things are going well and they're easy, we don't need civility. We only need it when things are getting rocky. I'll, I'll give you a couple of quick tips, if I may. We're in a conversation, and we all do this, and we often say, well, yes, and, yes, but. And think about what yes, but did to you when I say that. Kind of cuts the conversation off, puts you on the defensive. You may be hearing me to say, well, yes, I kind of agree with you, but you're totally wrong, right? A subtle, difficult, but important change is change the yes, but to yes, comma, and. That now builds on the conversation. And as Masons, we, of course, are builders. That one change of word, a three-letter word, can change an entire conversation. I'll give you another quick example, if I may. And this works with spouses, coworkers, even works with children. When you're in a conversation and it's kind of convoluted, it's more than just, you know, how are you doing today? When they say something, reframe what you think you heard. And don't just mimic the same words. Don't just ape it back to them. But change how you're saying it so that you are accomplishing one, uh, two things. Number one, you're letting that person know you truly heard them. Number two, and perhaps more, more importantly, It's giving them the chance to clarify a misunderstanding you may have had. How many times have we been in knockdown, drag-out arguments, only the next day or years later to find out it was over a silly, stupid misunderstanding? And if we could have figured that out early on, we could have cleared it up and gone back on our way. So reframing what we think we heard helps to prevent a lot of incivility from occurring.
0: So what you're saying is that we should use our personal responsibility and this tool of of um, reiterating the conversation up to that point, in order to advance the cause of civility.
2: That's exactly right. <laughs>
3: exactly right. Well, well, in, I can totally in, see how that how that avoids confusion.
1: In in my tiny tiny little world of civility uh, recognition, I. I I've been using that exact example. I'm sure I heard it from you in in 2016 or whenever it was. We met in uh, Vancouver. The and the, instead of using but, the comma and I try to use that in not necessarily in conversation, but for sure in writing all the time. And I'm sure I heard that from you in that same dialogue. So that's a, it is a p- very powerful message. Just a, changing that word.
3: I
0: think it's an improv comedy exercise too, isn't it? <laughs> I'm afraid to go there. <laughs> so uh, oh, go ahead. No, David I just was ahead. agreeing with you, yep. <laughs> um, uh, so we already established the connection to, to British Columbia, and let's, let's shine, shine some sunlight down here in, in Washington, too. Is there a connection to the, the Freemasons of Washington by any chance?
2: There's yes. a big connection. Yes there's a big connection between me personally and the civility effort with the incredible brethren of Washington state. Um, It's really interesting to me that this effort really has taken off in the Western part of North America, more so than other parts. And I could probably sit down and analyze it and still be wrong, but um, the brethren of Washington, including most worshipful Sam Roberts and, and many others have embraced this effort from the outset. Uh, they've been key players as we've developed this. This is, this is no, by no means the Russ show. I just kind of right heard on the fellas, and it's amazing the work that we have accomplished in what amounts to about six years.
1: I know we just had uh, Brother Ken Gibson on, and I was just talking with him off the show a few days ago, and uh, he was talking about the Civility Project as well and how Washington Masonic Charities is trying to do some things with Civility.
2: I love oh, Brother I Ken and, and Amy and, and their kids. And um, Masonic, uh, Washington Masonic Charities has helped us, frankly, to get to the point where we could now have our own nonprofit, uh, the Worldwide Civility Council. But for Masonic Charities serving as the incubator for that, we wouldn't be where we are today. So I'm incredibly grateful to, to Brother Ken as well.
3: Yeah, and then uh, Most Worshipful Brother Birch, I've heard him mention the Civility Project several times over the uh, last couple of years, and um, uh, he's spoken very highly of it, and he's a big advocate of it, so um, that's uh, also nice to see that it's spread further uh, up here into Canada, right? So.
2: Yep, uh, the British Columbia folks—most uh, versatile Stut and and Darrell and and Barry and so on. If I'm going to use other names in vain, I'll use uh, Brother Mendoza's name in vain as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jim's been a regular guest and and a host a couple of times. Uh, he actually helped us host some people that he, uh, for example, Nathan Tweedy. Uh, actually, Nathan was a guest. They just had a uh, their their lodge, Frank S. Land Lodge, just had a virtual table lodge last Friday. I think Nathan was a guest there, and I guess it ran like three hours so they must have been having a good time <laughs> one of the questions I had was about you, you talked about masons having of course our training and our education and our process the development of the man through the instruction of masonry when someone doesn't have that background or have that those tools in their toolbox how how, how do you help them be civil so you were talking about through the, for example, pandemic thing, or or a city council issue, or something. If we wanted to interject ourselves into that, yes, we might be able to be a mediator and to be a, a, a advisor, so to speak. But if if you're just a citizen and they're the mayor and they're the councilman or the FEMA or whatever, you know, how, how do you? Any suggestions on how you might be able to do that, or or what tools can you provide to somebody? To say, hey, do you think we should run our meeting by these five steps or whatever?
2: I think we just continue to live our Masonic lives out in our greater worlds. Um, I'm going to answer that, uh, Dave, if I may, by using another example. Uh, In 2015, I took a Grand Master's trip to the Holy Land. We had almost 80 people with us, and every day was just more phenomenal than the next. But one day we went into the West Bank to, to go to Bethlehem. And you cross the border and you see this big old intimidating sign saying you're taking your life in your hands and so on and so forth. And we pick up a Palestinian guide and he starts feeding us the company line. And I'm peppering him with questions. And, and then he turned a, it around on me and asked me the questions. And he said, so, you know, what's all this masonry stuff? And I said, well, you know, the, I, I told him it's a, a philosophy. It's a way of improving ourselves to, to be better citizens and and men. And I said that the principle that would probably mean the most to you right now where you are is that we treat each other on the level. And he says, Well what do you mean by that? I said a brand new Master Mason has equal voice with the 50 year past master. And he kind of, you know, did the double take and he just couldn't relate to that that he should have a voice in his own self-rule. And These are concepts that apply everywhere. I was talking with a group uh, just today and talking about how masonry teaches patience. Think about it, you can't get your three degrees in a matter of a few hours. It takes a matter of time, a matter of months. Um, We are taught to wait a time with patience. We are taught that time patience and perseverance will accomplish, I change it to most things from all things. Okay? Do you think society can benefit from the concept of some patience? The concept of sitting back and contemplating for a little bit before they fire off that, that tweet or that Facebook post. Do you think, do you think that, um, this, that society can benefit from the thought of spreading the cement of brotherly love and affection amongst their, their community members? Do you think they could learn something from taking the compasses and drawing a circle around ourselves and creating a boundary beyond which we shouldn't allow our passions and our prejudices to begin to intrude upon the rights and enjoyment of another person? These are all things that we can describe to people. There's nothing preventing us from doing it, and they'll get it. We talk about putting the the master's gavel in his hand. And use it judiciously, because it can be made an instrument of great good or greater harm. So you're talking to your city council member who seems to be, you know, bullying his or her way through. You can find that way to to share it with them.
3: Yeah, I think every man should have daughters to teach him patience.
2: <laughs> Times two. As the father of a 25-year-old, I could not agree more.
1: <laughs> yes, very much patience. Much patience. Much patience. You know, it's
3: amazing how important patience really is. You know,
1: I, I would love. I know we're getting a little closer here to the end of the show, and I would love to, if you have time, Russ, to ha- let us continue with you. And I, I'd like to know. On the next segment, who's Russ? How, where did you come from? How did you get to be press Grandmaster and so good-looking and uh, in charge of the civility deal? So if you're, if, if you're okay with hanging out with us for another half hour or so, we'd love to have you come back and
2: be part of that. I'd be I'm happy, happy to, but I, I hate cliffhangers, so I'll tell everybody on this broadcast, I was born a small boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he born got to night. be past
0: <laughs> Grandmaster by first being Grandmaster. That's, that's my guess. <laughs> exactly. Take it away, Matt. Um, so if you want to, just to, to uh, wrap it up, did, did you want to uh, give that email on the, the website address again for the, if somebody wants more information on
2: the project? Certainly. Please go to MasonicCivility.org, MasonicCivility.org. All kinds of great resources there. None of it is copyrighted. You can take it and use it, put it to work right away. And then if you want to get a hold of me, you may email info, at MasonicCivility.org, and I'll be sure to get back to you. So
0: with that, on behalf of uh, David and Stephen and myself, Most worship Brother Russ, thank you very much for being here today.
2: It's been my pleasure. Thank you, brother.
0: And uh, we look forward to seeing you again next time on the Working Tools Masonic Podcast.